Renzi, before we get into today's episode, let's talk about pre-game routines. I know a lot of players these days like to get a haircut or have a shave before a big game, make sure they're uh, nicely groomed before they run out onto the park. Did you have a routine like this? Absolutely, I did, mate. You know uh, what they say, look good, feel good, play well or play good. I used to, uh, yeah, I'd give them a bit, a bit of a trim, neck hairs, things. I just feel really smooth. <laughs> I think it's that aerodynamics, mate, just feeling really, really fresh, ready to go. So I can absolutely go out there and run, uh, run my backside off. So just going that extra, you know, ten percent confidence um, that I was prepared. But Harry, in today's game, there's there's more to pre-game grooming than just the beard. That's right, Ramsey. With the amount of running that these players do, chafing can come on easily. So below the waist grooming is an absolute must for the modern day footballer. But if you're going to trim downstairs, you need the right tools for the job. That's where Manscapes come in now. It's Manscapes are the best in men's below the waist grooming offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0, great name, Ramsey, is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight for a more precise shave. It does get dark downstairs, Rain Man. Well, I like the lawnmower and join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off plus free worldwide shipping with the code one on one. That's O-N-E-O-N-O-N-E. Head to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code. Let's get into it. You're listening to the one-on-one football podcast, the number one podcast for Aussie rules, training, coaching and development tips. We actually used to get tagged a fair bit um, as a junior football, and then early days at Richmond, um, I used to get a defensive half forward player, me and half back, so I know both. And then there's some players that try too hard to take advantage of it, and they get called play on so early that they end up kicking out of pressure anyway. Now for young girls out there, which is really exciting, and anyone listening, and parents and things like that, they actually have a legitimate career and pathway to, um, and it's only getting bigger, you would have thought. Um, to be able to earn some really good money and, and, and make a career out of it. And it almost makes the MCG more prestigious when you come back to it. Like, we haven't had a grand final at the G for two years. But this year, I reckon it's pretty clear-cut. Um, and I think Melbourne, yeah, Melbourne obviously red up favourites. I want to talk about, I guess, combos in the AFL. So right now, I think Melbourne have arguably the best midfield combo in the league, which is Petrarca Oliver. Arguably the best ruck combo in the league, which is Gorn and Jackson. Easily the best backline combo in Jake Lever and Stephen May. In those four categories, midfield, ruck, backline, and wing, I think they have the best two-player combo in the league. Really passionate, I think you are too, around just in-season stuff and getting yourself right for games, because that's when it all happens at two hours on game day. Welcome back to the one-on-one football podcast. Andrew Raines here, founder of one-on-one football. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Harry Simington. Welcome, Harry. Thanks, Rainsy. Good to be here. We're back on the podcast again. It's um, a bit cold down here in Melbourne, mate. We're, you're the one wearing the jumper, but um, starting to hit well, that. Well, you got your header on there. We don't use heaters in Queensland. We might use them for one day one day a year, mate. Um, so I've, um, I've We've only just had our heater fixed. Got... We're, <laughs> we're yeah. freezing for about... Two months there. Can't have that in Melbourne, mate. So, um, Especially when you're in Queensland. back up here in the Sunshine State, but it's not much sunshine here at the moment in Queensland. We've um, yeah, we've had a, a lot of uh, a lot of rain throughout the um, throughout the summer and then early autumn months, and it's impacted a lot of, obviously, um, local football up here. As soon as there's a bit of water on the ground, they mm. cancel it, the council, and um, cancel the games for the weekend, and there's a lot of disappointed parents and footballers. So hasn't been a great start. It's been a bit chop and change, especially through the COVID um, you know, pandemic the last couple of years has been a lot of ups and downs. So 
hopefully the weather dries up up here and hopefully um, you know footy can continue. But I'm sure it's going pretty well Australia-wide at the moment. Obviously, Melbourne's been um, hit pretty hard over the last couple of years. And as we know, there's been a lot of inconsistency, especially for a lot of our footballers on board and playing club football or school football. We're hoping they're, um, you know, they're having a good... A good season and um and yeah, getting some consistent football back, Harry. Absolutely, and it's um it's a busy time of year for, for footballers, but it's also um the one year anniversary or the, the, the first year one year birthday birthday, sorry, of the uh of the podcast, the one on one football podcast. I think our first episode came out about a year and a week ago now. Um, we've done twenty three, so today's number twenty three, so it's about one every fortnight, Rain. Did you have a favourite episode out of all the ones that we've done so far? Not particular favourites because it's, you know, from the big names of Acker and Richo, obviously they were, mm. they were ripping podcasts to, um, you know, to sort of some lesser likes um, on our on our um, platform in terms of, um, you know, their, their, their fame or, or, or their uh, profile, but definitely not in terms of their background and, and what they're yeah. doing in, t- in, in the footy industry. So all pretty good. Um, Acker was probably the... I reckon the most colourful one, should we say that? And, um, you know, there was, I exactly think there was what you expect from Akka, Explicit word in there, word or two in there that we, we uh, may have left out or beeped or, or kept on. So um, that was probably yeah, the, the one that was, um, you know, a, a really good one in terms of, um, you know, getting Akka on and, and listening to him. But yeah, recently, Richo was incredible. Obviously, his insights and, and something we're looking to do and, and push forward with our footy IQ stuff and give, um, you know, our listeners extra, um, you know, curricular education things around our, uh, our football and some voiceovers and some education playthroughs on the screen um, is, is obviously look, looking to, towards our bonus um, additions and add that on the footy IQ, um, which was incredible what Richo did. So looking forward to plenty more of those, mate. And yeah, one year's it's flying by. Um, my son actually turned one the other day, so it's all um, it's all happening, mate. So And I think even before, like more celebration, I think four years in late April, I think, I forget the exact date we launched, I should probably know that, yeah, right. Um, about four four years ago, the platform launched too. So it's it, late April, May's a big, yeah, big sort of uh, birthdays, but plenty of birthdays, mate. Yeah, absolutely. It's um always evolving as well. I guess I remember um, sort of thinking back to the first episode we did with with Mick Barlow, which is I reckon an underrated episode. It's probably we were probably still finding our feet with the podcast stuff, but Mick's a is it we we'll probably have to get him on again. Is it is an awesome guest, and I, I just remember like the um he was sitting in the club rooms, I think, at the. At like a local footy ground and he was he'd done some coaching he turned the camera around to um mm, put it on one of his athletes that. kicking at the exact same time as they did a terrible kick and he was pumping mm. them up for being a great kick so mm, he that was. one's always and he's um he's actually i should give a shout out he's doing the one-on-one football where we're running the uh, football program or specialized coaching the football program there at de la Salle college in mm. malvin so i'll give them a bit of a shout out um terrific program just just started they're looking to um to bolster up their football program um and 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 they've, they've turned to us, which is great. And mix mix leading that is in specialised coaching, along with um some some appearances from Brett Deledio. So some really good uh some really good things happening there. So so shout out to uh, to T Larcel and Mick. He's, they're doing some great things. So there's any schools out there that are looking for um for some extra um, skills coaching or some football program assistance? Um, we're also going to schools there too. So. Very exciting. Yeah, we must get Mick back. I remember that episode. So, yeah, we can't underrate any episodes, really. They're all incredible, aren't they? They're all good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The, um, the, that, that, I guess, coaching of school teams is obviously one of the one of the services that we can provide. But in terms of our one-on-one coaching, we're always expanding our, um, our coaching. We've got new coaches in new areas. Uh, since the last episode, Reigns, we've got two new coaches. 
Yeah, we've got Liam Jones, who's um, who's actually technically in Kingscliff, so he's he's operating just south right. of the border at Queensland, but he's he's obviously available on the Gold Coast too, and he's playing at Palm Beach, my old club. Um, he's obviously having a year out, a uh, year off due to the um, the protocols with the the vaccine man- mandate at the AFL. So he's it was obviously well documented, and um, he's uh, he's having a year off, um, you know, playing uh, playing at, at probably two levels down of what he's used to playing, and and jumped on board with a bit of coaching. He's doing some PT work with. Uh, Dean Solomon and Max Kennedy's gym down at Kingsley, so he's doing a bit of PT athletic development stuff and, and mixing that with his football coaching via the platform. So he's just jumped on board, incredible uh, person and obviously a great background in football. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, yeah, a few kids can jump on board and have a session with Liam. Um, and the other ones, Nick Shipley, uh, who Nick, I think you played with Nick in the Allies a couple of years ago. Yeah. Coming yeah, through the talent pathway and um, ripping guy. Shippers is on GWS list, um, a big sort of body inside midfielder. Um, played a handful of games, played a, a couple of games, Harry. Or yeah, I think he's played he... a few. I think uh, I, I don't think want to give him an exact him. number, but I think it's around that sort of ten mark. Yeah, which is incredible effort, and uh, and he's he's now playing, I think, with the Sydney Swans VFL yep. team, and and Shippers has jumped on board as a young coach mm-hmm. um, in the Sydney area. So we're, we're, we've got a, a fair few coaches in Sydney now, which is exciting, and plenty of footballs keen to sort of go one on one and. Small group uh, session, so he's um yeah, so two great additions there. And I like these two because they're they're younger and obviously um, they still have experience at the highest level. But I think they're going to relate really well to that younger dem- demographic of players coming through that sometimes might not be as engaged with a with an with an older coach. So I guess that's the versatility of the platform is you can find someone who might work really well with um, with you, and then obviously you can you can mm. you can try different coaches. And once you find that match, you've got a. Uh, a really good mentor. So two awesome young coaches available, um, both in New South Wales, I guess, but Jonesy obviously um, boarding yeah. on the Gold Coast as well. Now, Rainsy, moving into uh, one of our other services. So we have um, we have something called Scout Sessions, which is much more of an in-season um, service. And for people who aren't familiar with it, uh, what is Scout and, and how does it work? Scout is a, is a, a service which, which we launched a, a year or two ago around um, a coach coming to watch your game and giving a digitalized match summary via our platform. So um, they'll go through a criteria, what we look for in terms of um, you know, talent or, or pathway football um, to get getting to the highest level. Um, we, we've, we've put in a bit of a, a checklist or not a checklist, like a, a, a like an assessment um, from what the coaches can see in their game. So it might have something like their kicking, their marking, and then their athletic um, makeup in terms of covering the ground, their speed, their work rate, and then um, obviously attitude's a big one too if they can't, if they can pick up a few things um, from their game. So we're getting a lot of feedback that coaches were doing X amount of sessions with players during the week, and then come game day they they'll get totally lost, or they were just sort of not connected enough with their team, or they were you know sort of couldn't find the football, or their their game sense is lacking a bit, and so we got coaches to go out and do a bit of a match summary, and now we've actually bundled all that up onto the on the system where you can book your coach um, to come and watch you play. So we've got a couple yep. options there where they can come watch you for an hour, so it's an hourly price, or they can come watch the whole game and do a bit of a meet and greet afterwards, which is fantastic. I've done a couple myself, and players get a lot from that. Um, you know. As we all know, with feedback, you want it sort of straight away. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a really really good way to sort of combine what you're doing during the week um, to obviously a weekend and and game. So, plenty of those sessions happening around Australia. Yeah, totally. I know a lot of our coaches sort of when they first start with a new client, it's sort of they just want to have a look at how you kick, how you move, um, what your skills like in general. But it sort of takes a few, maybe a few sessions to really understand the athlete really well. But then obviously with the scout, it's a it's a good way to start, I guess. You sort of 
the coaches can come down and sort of see how you play the game. They can get a really comprehensive understanding of, of, of how the footballer plays footy, identify the, the areas they need to work on. And then that's where you lead into the, um, into the next sort of phase of, uh, of training. So a really good way to, to sort of start your, your journey if you, if you haven't yet on the, on the platform. Now, Renzi, another um, digital service that we have um, is the Footy IQ membership. So we, we've had that up for about two months now, just over two months, I think, Renzi. And we've got 83 members, which is absolutely fantastic. We're starting to build a, a really strong community on the platform um, of, of players and coaches of all different ages. Um, but I guess the thing that they share is that they're really invested in their football and, and, and eager to learn. Um, so Renzi, some of the recent content that we've had, we've done drills, um, insights, what are some of those um, recent pieces of content that we've released? Yeah, it's in- incredible. We're starting to get some really good members. I think uh, it's been updated. I think we've got we've ticked over in terms of all up over a hundred uh, members, which is which is fantastic. So yeah, growing by the day, which is which is great. Um, and uh, yeah, some of the content we got there is is some of the key moments I do each week from a from a from a game. So I'll pick I'll pick apart a game um, of the week and, and a, a key moment. Um, there might be a couple of clips into into sort of one theme. Um, last week, I focused on Richmond's ability to, to, to score from turnovers inside their forward 50. Um, sorry, their forward half. I think it was an incredible number. It cost a record. I'm not too sure, but they had eight um, goals. Or, yeah, eight goals from turnover um, inside their forward 50. Mm. Uh, sorry, keep saying that. Inside their forward half. Um, and, uh, and that's just from their pure pressure. And they're getting back to some of the football they're playing. In their premiership years, I don't know if mm-hmm. I go too uh, too far in saying that, but they're <laughs> just that that element of how they play, or that yeah. um, you know the, the way they play. Um, so that that's back in their game, which is really good. And obviously having Dusty um, help. So yeah, each week I'll, I'll pick apart a, a game and go through some key modes and present that in front of a screen. Um, our drills library, obviously, uh, we just released a, a, a lot when we first launched. Um, it was sort of start of the season, so great for coaches and footballers. So even our footballers can do. Some of the drills with uh, with a partner or or a, a parent or a friend um, they're looking to sort of just go down the go down the park and do a bit of extra skills to to club training where you want some drills um, for our coaches. Yep. So we put a huge library together for that. We just released uh, one this week, which is one of your drills: kick to hand to target. So you re- essentially just put your hand up and you're trying to kick it to advantage side and get all different heights and um, heights and weights into your kicks because um, we obviously do that a lot in games. Um, our key moments is another. Um, Another thing there, we the uh, D's and St Kilda. We looked at the previous week, so our key moments. Obviously, the last week we looked at Richmond. This uh, the week before we looked at St Kilda and the D's, and obviously the D's are playing incredible brand of footy. Our insights library. Um, I actually did one as a tagger. Um, sorry, tagged player where I used to play as a tagger. Um, so probably got was, a good uh, insight on the other side. Well, of the, I got um, insight of both, and I even used to get tagged a fair bit. Um, as a junior football, and then early days at Richmond, um, I used to get a defensive half forward player at me at half back, so I know both, um, and and what works and what doesn't. So there's some really mm. good insights there. Um, and then I did another key moments um, uh, about three four weeks ago, just on Lockie Neal in Brisbane's efforts to win over <coughs> Sydney. So some incredible stuff in there, um, and there's a lot more to 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 go through and hours and hours of content there. So it's um, yeah, really exciting, mate. What we're building. Absolutely, I think that's um. That working through a tag, that those last two probably combined really well. I think in the Lockie Neal analysis, you showed how he got off his defender as well. And even if you're not a midfielder that's getting tagged, there's some really good ways to, I guess, get separation off your opponent, which is probably not something that you you get taught. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Ramsey, in the no. in the junior systems. No, it's incredible vision there too, and I won't spoil it because I obviously want people mm. to go and have a look at it themselves. But 
Um, just some incredible vision there of Lockie and um, how he how he sort of breaks. I think he had um, Callum Mills on him, and he's a really good player. And just the way he broke that sort of tag, and there's two or three key elements to to um, to go about that, and how you can actually do it on the inside and outside. Mm. And again, it doesn't get taught to you. Um, doesn't get you, you don't learn it. Um, you, sorry, the only way you learn it through experience um, and out in the ground. So w- what we're showing you here is um, you know sort of. A fair bit of vision to be able to help you um, see it and educate yourself, and then when you're out in the ground, you can actually go out and do it. So, yeah, some really good stuff there, for sure. And on the uh, so on the on the platform on the Footy IQ membership, we've got programs, we've got a backlog of um, drills and insights, and um, people that listen to the podcast will be quite familiar with that. But um, yeah, if you haven't checked it out yet, jump over. Uh, we'll put the link in the show notes. Um, and yeah, we're releasing content twice a week at the moment, so. The, uh, the content's always growing. Um, what do we have coming up, Rainsy? Upcoming content for the rest of the month. Bit of goal kicking, uh, some focus on just a bit of some routine stuff um, and each how it's all individual. Your goal kicking, you just got to stick to consistency. Um, how to navigate yourself through boundary line, um, you know, sort of set shots, mm-hmm. um, whether that's snaps or drop punts. And it's always an interesting one. You watch on the TV these days and they're, they're swinging around their body and kicking those snaps. So we go through a bit of information on that, which is great. Um, and how to take advantage of the stand the, the stand the mark rule, which is in, a really good thing. I've been doing a fair bit of my sessions in one on one and and teaching players to um, you know take full advantage of that um, stand the rule or stand the man of the mark rule. Um, how they got to you know stand and pause. You can take full advantage and go right mm. up to the side and pretty much um, hit your target or, or kick down the line or wherever you're kicking. Um, conversely. Yeah, a lot of players are actually still kicking a fair way back um, yeah. and not taking that advantage um, you know, and, t- and taking that full distance, which just gives you a bit more um, distance in your kick, opens up your options a bit more and makes your decision a lot easier. Yeah, I reckon that's an interesting one as well because you like there's some players that don't take advantage of it at all and then there's some players that try too hard to take advantage of it and they get called play on so early that they end up kicking under pressure anyway. So I think I remember filming that one and I remember thinking it's a really good one for people that perhaps have tried to use it but been unsuccessful and so they, you know they might go back and just play real sort of conservative and not try and take the man on the mark on again but um, if you're smart about it then that's a, it's a great way to like you said to get a, a clean kick away and you know add 20 meters to your kick perhaps um so yeah some really key uh key points in that one so look out for that in the next couple of months guys and then Rainsy moving into um the footy world so we've had some big news this week uh, with the aflw so they've got a um uh just been announced that there'll be a 94% pay increase across the board. Um, the tier one athletes will go up to 72,000 per year and the average salary overall will be 46, which is um, obviously great for the girls. Hopefully that gives a, a nice little boost. And um, we're now into 18 teams, which is which is excellent. My Hawks, um, good to see the Hawks have finally got a team. I'll, I'll be sort of split between them and Richmond, I think, in the AFLW, but then obviously Essendon, Port Cody, and Sydney Cody as well. might be happy with that, mate. Yeah, I'll, I'll call it half and half. Half and half. I'm, yeah, I'm a bit like go. that at the moment. I'm choosing multiple teams to support, but can I use the excuse, <laughs> Rains, that I'm just a, a fan of the game? Is that allowed? No, you can. Wear an AFL logo, shirt, yeah, or, true. Or, or, uh, or scarf. <laughs> the um, so yeah, obviously that's that's been the the increase in um in salary, which is fantastic. Um, they're taking into account the off season where the players are um. Sort of, you know, they have to keep fit and um and be ready for when they come back. So, um, great to see no, um, a, for all the girls. It's it's unreal, isn't it? And um, again, uh, it's actually trained a, an AFLW player, and not probably mm. allowed to disguise names yeah. because a lot of those girls are uh, uh, the clubs aren't too happy when they go and do some sessions. But um, and I'm sure you're probably similar down there. So um, yeah, you know, speaking to her the other day, and it's it's incredible for um for players to be able to 
or for, for the women to be able to get it. You know, a well-deserved pay increase um, for the amount of yep. time they put in because, you know, um, they do have full-time jobs, but then they've got to juggle that during, as we saw through the COVID uh, pandemic, when they've got to go into hubs or they've got to fly out and things like that. They obviously yep. didn't go into the extent of the hubs that the men did, but they mm. still have to chop and change their schedule a fair bit, and I think they should be well rewarded. So you can... Now for young girls out there, which is really exciting, and anyone listening and parents and things like that, they're actually a legitimate career and pathway to... Yeah. Um, and it's only going to get bigger, you would have thought, um, Absolutely. to be able to earn some really good money and, and, and make a career out of it. Yeah, totally. And, and hopefully it means that you know people can, if it's what they want to do, people can, yeah. can quit their day jobs and, and focus full-time on their on, on their footy, which is um, obviously what, what, the, what the salary is going um, to open up as a, as a possibility. Um, and yeah, so obviously the 40 teams and they're going to uh, increase the number of players in the league from 420 to 540. Um, so obviously covering uh, all teams now, which is awesome. And then Rainsy, one that we've uh, just heard about today, the AFL Commission has finally made the call on the time of day for the grand final, which is something that we've sort of been pondering in our bonus episodes with uh, mm. with the guests. But it's, uh, it's set to remain at 2.30 p.m. Um, and it'll return to the MCG for the first time since 2019. Are you a fan, Ramsey? Midday, or oh, sorry, 2.30 grand final at the G? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I'd like to say I'm not on the fence, but I, I was sort of like, when I first read that, I was like, that's great, you know, and I don't think because mm. the last couple of years have been night ones, night grand finals, and you wait around, waiting around the whole day, and especially because they've been yeah. uh, through the COVID stuff, and you're sort of you're sort of not there, or you or you're um or you you know you you you're just sitting around and waiting for the grand final. It's sort of it's sometimes you think oh it'd be good to go back to the game at the, the daytime yeah. two o'clock two thirty, and I think we've got it this year. So I'm looking forward to it going back to that slot, but then moving forward. I don't know. I, I, if the stadiums can, can can get a bit bigger, I think it's uh, traditionalist in terms of MCG and the two thirty is great. But then the flip side of me sort of says, well, and I've played in the northern markets and and and, mm. and based up here now, and I just think that it's an and you watch what the NFL do. I think it's a national game yeah. now. I don't mind the idea, and it doesn't have to be every year. Whether it was every like the Olympics, every four years, every three years or something, yep. that it was changed venues and then maybe changed the the time slot. Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, and again, you'd have to probably put a fair bit into the, the, the bargaining agreement and how that sort of looks and there's a lot to sort of nut out, but that's just an idea, I think, um, to rotate the ground. Like, I think that was fantastic. I wasn't there, but Perth last year looked great. Brisbane the year before, the, even though the gap is quite dated now, it was, you know, the people that mm. went said it was incredible, even though it was 30,000 and the gap can, when there's 30, 35,000, it can actually harm it's a cauldron. Pump. I, was there at the, I was there at the prelim or the semi with Richmond, Brisbane and... Yep, it sounded like a hundred thousand. Was um, it was really really good. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. Probably changing every couple of years, and and maybe yep. if they just change it sort of the to the to that sort of uh, night grand final for those interstate teams, and it almost, for those interstate venues. Yeah, I agree, and it almost makes the MCG more prestigious when you come back to it. Like we haven't had a grand final at the G for two years, and so we'll get into it in a second. But Melbourne, for example, who won a premiership interstate, are so hungry to do it in front of their fans, and like. Mm. I think this year it'll be exaggerated the sort of spectacle of it because you know the Victorians have missed it for for two years, yeah, but then obviously yeah. you get the benefit as well of spreading it um, across the country. So that's, yeah, that's why I'm sort of not on the fence. I just I like both sides because yeah. it excites me now going back two thirty the MCG, but then in a couple of years time I might be going oh, okay, it's ready to move again. So I reckon yeah. it's a, a thing we should rotate. So definitely, definitely. No, it's um good discussion and obviously about time they uh, they made a call. I'm looking forward to it. Might have to steal your MCC pass again, Ramsey. 
Yeah, oh, don't tell anyone that, mate. <laughs> guess past that day, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. Can't put that on podcast. Um, <laughs> now, now Ramsey, moving into the next topic. So the Melbourne Demons, we, we know how good they are. I just want to dive a little bit deeper into sort of their system. That Like we mentioned before, they're hungry for a premiership in front of their fans. They're undefeated. What are we, round 10 now? Can they be beaten? And who do you reckon is going to be the team to do it if they do this year? I reckon Brisbane can. Um, at the Gabba, they can beat them. I'm not just not too sure of the MCG. Um, yep. But they're, they're far above. Those two teams at the moment, I was thinking the other day, I don't think I've seen a year like this for a while. I might eat my words. Richmond are probably in the background who could maybe challenge yep. and potentially Geelong. But yep. Melbourne and um, Melbourne and Brisbane are clear ahead of the opposition um, by a long mm. way. I think previous years, probably the last 10 to 15 years, uh, Eight to ten years, I reckon there's been a sort of a mix between four to six to eight that could win it. Um, yep. As we've seen with the Bulldogs and and um, you know teams like that, Richmond um, that not not necessarily finished on top and then have come through to win it. So, but this year I reckon it's pretty clear cut. Um, yep. And I think Melbourne, yeah, Melbourne obviously red up favourites. And the other thing too is the uh, the amount of wins I reckon it was probably dating back to sort of the Essendon era, two thousand and one. Uh, sorry, two thousand when they won all those games, and it's reminding me sort of similar to that. So, um, yep. it could be just a year of a whitewash, and they just they're just the best team by far, and they win it again. Yeah, and so without jumping the gun a little bit, if if say Melbourne did manage to win three premierships premierships in a row. So obviously, in the modern era, Brisbane won the triple premiership in the early two thousands. Hawthorne from twenty thirteen to fifteen. If Melbourne did win three in a row, do you reckon they would become the best team of the modern era? Like, if you compare Petrarca, all of these guys against, you know, the the Simon Black, the Michael Voss, it, do you yeah. reckon they become the best of all time if they do get to that mark? They'd be up there, but I, I still, in my opinion, and again, maybe because I grew up with them and I obviously a bit biased playing at Brisbane, but... Yep. Brisbane are by far, but they mentioned Hawthorne, Geelong, great, great, great teams. It just can't be that Brisbane side across yeah. on paper as so many stars and so many great players, um, and and to win it in a state, I think was even a bigger yep. achievement. Good point. Um, you three know, times, so I think three times in a state, and then get to their fourth, and then and get obviously uh, pipped on the line, and then they had injuries that year and things. I oh, just to get there was was incredible. They never actually finished on top, and I think in a home away season, so it just shows That's you crazy. that they were always cherry ripe when they got to the uh, big to the game big dance. But in saying that, Melbourne, I'm starting to think, you know, like Gorn's just an incredible, like you'd, you'd argue that, that Brisbane didn't have a Gorn. You know, Clark yep. Ketting was a great ruckman, but um, he's, he's Gorn, he's probably got in cover. And then you throw in Oliver and um, Petraka into the mix and there's there's arguably Voss and Black. Um, <coughs> yeah. So it's starting to stack up a bit. Do they have an Ackermanis? So I'm not too sure. Um, do they have a look power? Cosy Pickett, maybe. Sort of types and, could be the Acker. Yeah, potentially. But Acker could probably go in the midfield and, and do yeah, a bit more damage, I would have thought. And, um, yep. Yeah, it's pretty hard to compare against Acker, 300 game champion, and as, as we mentioned before. And then obviously up four with Brownie and Lynchy, um, you know, it's, and Bradshaw. I just don't know if Melbourne have, have got that sort of star yep. power. They've got star power, but they're probably more of a collective up forward. But their back line. Yep. Maybe it does. Lepich and, and uh, Mel Michael, maybe um, May and Lever do stack up against those guys. So it's yeah. very, very interesting. It's a good debate to have. Yeah, it's a great segue into this next topic. So I, I want to talk about, I guess, combos in the AFL. So right now, I think Melbourne have arguably the best midfield combo in the league, which is Petrarca Oliver. Arguably the best ruck combo in the league, which is Gorn and Jackson. Easily the best backline combo in Jake Lever and Stephen May. And... Now that Angus Brayshaw is playing on the wing as well, you got 
the best wing combo in Ed Langdon and Angus Brayshaw. Do you, do you, I mean, they've got some excellent, excellent forwards as well. But in those four categories, midfield, ruck, backline, and wing, I think they have the best two-player combo in the league. Do you think? Um, do you think combinations be, of good players top, is is important? Yeah, it is, and in saying that, it could be um, could that could easily press the case against Brisbane's combos. But yep, Brisbane um, had the forwards, just, didn't they? Just, just yeah, just focus on that though. I think um, it's it is. I don't think many teams have got that at the moment, so that's hence the reason why they're yeah. um, they're such a good team. But then they've also got the role players, and you look at successful teams, and they've got you know role players that play that that make the yeah. the stars look good, um, and just got some incredible role players. So yep. I think um, I think they're building something pretty special. But as we know, they're hard to win, um, so they're going to get there and, and and do it again. Yeah, definitely. No, excited to see what's um what's to come. But I think uh, everyone in the comp, no doubt, loves watching them play, unless you're a Bulldogs fan. Now. Rainsy, moving into the third um, sort of section of the podcast, which is our, I guess, our main session. We wanted to talk about tune-up sessions or um, pre-game priming sessions, all that. So that sort of, um, well, I'll let you explain it. For those listening who might not know what a tune-up session is, um, what is it and, and how is it different from a normal training session with the team? So you usually got your two main sessions. At AFL level, you've got probably two main sessions and a craft session during the during the season. Um, now, a craft session is a low-key skill session, which might be on a sort of a Tuesday, um, you know, sort of a, a Monday maybe, and then you, you do your main training Tuesday, Thursday or or, uh, or, or Wednesday um, or Wednesday, Friday. And then your tune-up or your captain's run um, is where it's – it's a session before the game where you just tune up on things and it's more about the individual and less about the team. So the team yep. sessions are going to be more, you know, you're involved in full full ground play, um, obviously some craft drills and that involved in some contested drills and, and working on your, your fundamentals. But um, the, the tune-up's more around how you want to prepare before the game. So if you want to kick 100 balls, probably not recommended maybe, but um, maybe 10, meter, 10, 20 meter passes is. Yep. But if you want to do or that or you want to just... Yeah, you want to just work on your hands. Probably more, more sort of a a, a really f- without the workload, a fast yep. way to tune up yourself and get yourself right. Because if you train um, on a Thursday, your main session, and you don't play till a Sunday, and you haven't done anything in between, you're going to be really fatigued come Sunday. Yeah. And some people might ask, well, why would I be fatigued? Because I've rested the whole time. It's better to stay active. And I know from experience, yep. you know, getting up and getting your body moving each day is imperative. You might not need the load. So it's a low, it's a it's a really good way. Sorry, it's a really good way to keep your load um, sort of up and running and and ready to go by the time the game kicks in. So yeah, you mentioned um the the characteristics of it there and that it would be low volume, so low impact on the legs, but high intensity as well. I think that's a really important one if you are doing touch drills. I think the high intensity is really important because that's the intensity you want to take to game day. And like you said, it's a it's a big gap between Thursday and you know a Saturday afternoon or or a Sunday game. When you go back to your AFL days, Rainsy, when you were a player, actually with coaching as well, because you obviously um, ran a lot of those tune-up sessions. What were some of the drills that um, that were involved? Like, was it was it all stationary? Like, wh- what are some of the spe- specifics in a tune-up session? Well, you might start with some stationary stuff and and do some touch work and before and after. Um, but then you, you sometimes actually get up to a fair click. It's actually really good to get your heart rate up, but for small bursts, yeah. um, and maybe even a full drill. Like it's like like so. The number one thing is probably no contact, yeah. um, or less contact, and it's just sharp, 
but then you might go really quick um, for you know periods of time where you might you might actually do a full ground drill or the old school um, you know sort of circle drill, just kick the footies around. But you might get a bit of a burst and get your heart rate up. I know that's always a good idea to, to keep your um again I'm not a yeah. not in the uh, S and C world mate but um to just keep your you know your hamstrings and your soft tissue um you know those those type of parts of your body um you know ready to go when the, when the game comes you've actually exerted a point of a point of reference um you know when you start the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to maintain your your high speed running load throughout the week. Um, you want to if that is something you are trying to develop as well you don't have to do a lot of it so if you are doing some speed training you can just do a couple of sprints you know on your mm. on your priming session and then you're you're good you know and you do it again early in the week and um, it's something that you do want to maintain but another thing as well that i sort of remember from our tune-up sessions at the suns is that it's a good opportunity to maybe build confidence into something that you know whether it was last week you missed you know you, you kicked four points in front of goals the end of a tune-up session is a great opportunity to go through and practice your goal kicking or if there's you know if you missed a couple of ground balls last week it's a good way to um yeah i guess prime yourself for what you want to do on on game day as well from an individual sense yeah so the pre-game primer or tune-up you're just priming everything that you really want to focus on remember yeah talk about goal kicking if you're playing up forward or even if a midfielder just heaps of goal kicking the other one too is i used to try and um I used to try and prime myself for um, the opponent I was playing if I was tagging. So I'd, yep. I'd actually, I actually grab, used to grab Vossi a few times and actually go, um, you know, if there's someone stronger than me and Vossi's coaching me at Brisbane and he obviously was one of the greats and got tagged all the time. So we'd actually go through five to 10 minutes of just, you know, sort of negating drills or just some, yep. some stuff with body work and things. I'd again, lo- like low in, t- in terms of contested stuff, maybe quick short spurts of intensity, but then yep. just repetitive um, and, and yeah. sharp and, and yeah, things that you really want to work on. If you're a ruckman, you know, just tapping the ball to your midfielders. Um, if you're a midfielder, just clean hands, ground ball stuff. Just it's yep. your it's it's your individual time to really focus on what you need to prime up and tune. Um, ch- sorry, prime and tune up for the game. Yeah, awesome. I think it's um it's a, it's a great little. It's probably something that unless you are in a um. I don't know, a semi-professional or professional environment, it's probably not something that you get exposed to just as part of the system. Because like, like you mentioned, it might be, um, you know, a Tuesday and a Thursday for, a, you know, say an under-14s team. So if it's not being provided by the team, um, could it be done individually as well? And, and how might that look? Well, absolutely. I think uh, a lot of our coaches have got a background in it. So I've actually done some sessions. I've actually got a lot of footballers to do sessions with on a Saturday before their Sunday game. And that's perfect. So... If you are thinking of, thinking about that, then you know come see one of our coaches, and we can definitely assist you there and give you a, a bit of um, education around the tune-up sessions and actually conduct one. Um, because again, I know a lot of junior teams are playing a Sunday, and their, their last sessions on a Thursday, and I'm just mm-hmm. not too sure what, what they're doing from Thursday night to sort of um, Saturday, sometimes Saturday afternoon, not Saturday morning. So it's a yep. fair bit of time to be doing nothing. I'm assuming they're doing some stuff. Obviously, they go to school or they're. You know, up here they're surfing or in Melbourne, they might be sort of having a kick at the park or, or something yep. like that. But, um, you know, you just got to be ready to go. And, and again, if you want that over your opposition, you want to be the best player possible, you've got to put in the work. And I think it's an incredible opportunity from Thursday night to to uh, to your game to be able to get an extra session in, but making sure it's not extra load, it's yep. tuning yourself up for your, uh, for your game. Yeah, and I reckon um, something that I'd always advise is... is- is experiment with doing your tune-up session on different days at different times because you'll find what works for you. Like I think Acker mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Ranzi, that he would have a kick on the day of the game 
you did that before grand finals as well. And I think that's um, no, that's not going to work for everyone, and especially if you're junior footy, you're probably not playing night games where you've got a, a morning no, before no, the game. But experimenting with it, whether it's a, a Friday morning or a Saturday morning, if you're playing on Sunday, like I think experimenting with it, finding what works for you, and then building your week like in a way that, that that works for you it might not be the same as everyone else so um if if you are playing in the afternoon or the evening rains do you reckon that that changes when you might do your tune-up session well that again again the kids some kids football do play friday nights i've seen too or, or you yep. know or the odd sort of maybe saturday night so um i think the night games are really interesting one and i think there's a bit of education around that and I give you a bit of example of what i used to do I used to probably go to bed a bit later the night before a night game and then sleep in a bit longer. Now, obviously, with kids, or with one one child now, but um, and 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 just being sort of a, a what do I say? Probably mid thirties uh, type of person. I'm, I'm probably up a bit more. Don't probably go out as I used to um, as much as when I was younger. So I'm used to getting um, I'm used to getting up early. Yep. But when I was younger, I could actually sleep right into a sort of, um, you know, sort of if it was at 7.30, 8 o'clock or 8.30, maybe even pushing 9 sometimes. If I had a night game, it's sort of 7 o'clock. Um, yep. Or 7, so 7.40, those games I used to play. Um, so it was really late. And I used to dread, it was actually a bit of t- taking, I used to, used to take a bit to get used to the night games, um, especially in my in my first years of being a professional. I never played a night, I hardly ever played night games before. Yeah, so, right. um, so it was actually a bit to get used to. So I was like, this is a lot of waiting around. So I used to push it out, have a, have a bit of a sleeping, get up, have some breakfast, um, get myself up and go and probably go get the paper back then, get the paper, yeah. um, <laughs> walk, go to the park, um, walk, uh, maybe go for breakfast. Um, so I'll have breakfast in or breakfast out and then get home about lunchtime and then maybe just start to wind down a bit. Uh, maybe have yep. a bit of a lighter sort of lunch or a, a lunch, um, and then and then sort of start winding down. So it's sort of go you go get yourself up. So you're winding down, then you're winding, you're getting yourself back up. Yep. And then you wind down again, because if you're constantly up or you're constantly yeah. down, you're never going to find your, your sort of happy medium. So you can't wake up in game mode. Correct. And then not every player did this. So I think we spoke to Brett Delidio about this in his, yeah. his podcast, and he went through his game day um, in his episode. Sorry, and he went through his game day. Richard was quite detailed. Um, I'm not going to go through specifics with me now, but just to give a bit of an outline. And then I'd wake up after sort of a bit of a snooze around sort of two, th- maybe three o'clock and then wake up, um, you know, sort of 20 minute, 30 minute cat naps. A lot of people can't mm. do the old cat nap, but yep. I'd have 30 minutes and then I'd wake up and I'd go again. So I'd have a hot, hot, cold shower and then have a snack, go for another little walk, um, get myself ready. And then in the car, by, we used to get there by two hours before in the AFL. Yep. So in the car by sort of five o'clock and on the way to the game. So, um, yeah, there's a bit to it, um, and yeah, happy to sort of take. Uh, if anyone's struggling out there with um, with some rituals or things, um, you know, they can do again. But mine's not going to work for you, and yours yeah. is not going to work for someone else. So it's probably yep. a thing, as you said before, just mixing a few things up. And if that's going down in the park and getting a bit of high intensity in the morning, have a good kick around, then do it, and you feel good, you play yeah. good. Um, so I think that's a, a really good one for for uh, for individuals to think about. Um, but just always back to that, um, you know process and and going through what works for you yeah absolutely i think um you mentioned going for a walk to get the paper nowadays you like you can just click a button on your on your phone and scroll <laughs> social media so you don't actually you know yeah, exactly and you don't get forced out of the house like you might if you're going to yeah. buy a paper so i reckon if you if you are for example a you know young footballer in in today's society i reckon actually booking something with you know, whether it's a friend or family like going out for brekkie or something and putting something in your schedule the morning of a game it might be it might be a good way to 
mm. get out of the house and get moving and interact with people and take your mind off the game a little bit. I think if you're if there's no reason to get out, you're probably not going to. And like you know, if there's you don't need to go and get a paper, so why not no, just exactly. stay at home? Yeah. I reckon. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to be stuck cooped up at home and uh, for you know the you want to wake up be cooped up at home and then go straight into a game. You probably want to no, get yourself out. No, spot on. And, and back to back to sort of what we provide too. And again, it's uh it's not for everyone, but I've known of players to have sessions the day of games and they just go to their yeah. coach and say, hey, this is what I want. Um, and I actually really want to work on something today. So I'm flying by tonight. Mm. And they've done that, and especially probably more the day before. So like on a Saturday morning, because it's a long week. Think about the weekend. There's a lot of sitting around and, and not doing much. So parents are might yep. thinking, oh, what can I actually do for the kids? I'm sure there's a lot to do. But um, Saturday mornings um, leading into a Sunday games, mm-hmm. you know, perfect. Absolutely. Opportunity to do something. Now, Rainsy, if we... So that's before the game. So you might have a tune-up session before the game. But again, I want to dig into your experience in, in the professional AFL system. Um, let's say you play a Saturday game and your first session back with the team is on a Monday. Uh, everyone's... I think I think there's a sort of a a common maybe misconception that you always you, you know you don't do anything until you first you know until the main session on Tuesday or something. But I, like as I'm sure you're aware, as I'm sure you experienced in the AFL system, there's there's a specific type of session that you do on a Monday or that first session back, whether it's one or two days after the game. What I'd, I'd love you to just sort of yeah um, give us an insight into what that Monday session looks like in the AFL system. Yeah, really important. I think. Um... In terms of the AFL system, it depends on when you ask me what, what sort of part of my career. So at the start of my career, I was obviously a lot... Uh, my knee was uh, 100% and I, my body was pretty good. Um, so I could probably get a, a good sort of run in on a Monday and they actually call yep. what we used to call as a flush run. And I actually did yeah. it too in the later part of my career if I was feeling okay. But um, my later part of career to, to, to the people listening is I, um, I used to have a, a, a lot of fluid in my knee. Um, I actually used to... There was times there where I'd get my knee drained after, you know, sort of on a Monday and I'd get 60 yeah, mils right. to 100 mils of fluid drained out of my knee. So I actually couldn't Fine. run. Um, I actually couldn't run till Wednesday. Um, so um, you speak to a lot of people those cartilage and knee issues. Um, Nick yep. Rewalt and, and those sort of guys that had similar sort of things to me, they um, they they wouldn't probably do, they'd probably do one session a week, which actually catches up yep. a bit. But when you're a bit older, you've obviously got more runs of the ball. But yep. let's go back to sort of um, if you, if you, let's just, Draft canvas if you're fit and you're ready to go, um, and and no issue, then you know it's yeah we used to call them flush runs and they might be a um they might be just some strides and probably you could talk a bit more on this instead of just doing a steady state run for three or four k's nothing wrong with yeah. that to get the the sort of the the body going um but we actually used to do like strides of eighty to hundred meters and build up each time so you do three sets in we used to do this in the academy I think with with you guys yeah, and yeah. you might do sort of ten. 10 strides, 10 strides of 80, but then you do three sets and the first set's low-key just to warm up, get into it, and then the second set's a bit high and then the third set, mm. you're actually getting a really good run and you're probably at yeah. 85, you know, sort of 80, 85%. Um, and for those guys who need a bit more or actually um, can't do much or might have a bit of a corky or a bit of an issue because um, a lot of kids would get those tough injuries, um, you know, sort of a 20 to 30-minute bike ride and just get that those sort of yeah. the muscles going again. And... Um, can't do enough touch so always having the footy in yeah. the hand and things like that so there's some of the, the sort of things you can do um, post game yeah love it I think um, if you you don't always feel like doing that session like you might still have heavy legs or something before the game but you always feel better after it which is which is oh, really important but then mm. I think you also get let's say your main sessions on a Tuesday or Wednesday you always get more out of the main session because you're not you don't have that first half an hour of the session where you're just trying to get the you know get the blood pumping again you've already done that on the Monday so um I reckon that's a really important one, whether, you know, 
it, it, again, if you're in the junior system and your club is not providing that, get out on a Monday, even if you don't feel like it, go for some strides, you know, ideally connect with a coach that can give you direction about it. But, you know, if you're, if you're one-on-one sessions on a Thursday or a Friday, mm. you know, do it yourself. Go out on a, on a Monday. Again, find what works for you. It might be, you know, 600-meter strides with building intensity and then grab a mate and, and have a kick. Whatever works for you, like, I think really experimenting with that will help you when you get into the higher levels when recovery becomes more and more important. Um, so I think, yeah, that's that the, the priming session on the day before, and then that Monday session, I reckon, are probably something that that aren't um, uh, guaranteed, I guess, in in, in junior mm. footy. Absolutely. Now, Renzi, I guess I guess it's all it's on the same theme. But um, if you look at other sports, basketball, for example, you can just stand there in the court and shoot shots all day, and there's next to no impact. There's no load. Like you can you can get heaps of reps in without fatiguing yourself. Whereas Aussie rules is a bit different, right? Because you've got running loads that you've got to manage so i think if you do want to do extras you gotta get really creative with it and if you are creative with it and you can find ways to get extra touch there's no limit really to how much improvement you can get and how much touch you can do you know you talk about the thousand hours of of, of skill stuff if you're creative enough and keep off your legs at the right times of the week i think you can get that sort of basketball-esque um reps in but you, like i said you have to be creative what are some of your favorite ways to get extra touch in without um overloading yeah, it's still a fair bit, and just that's just a, a thing. You always got the footy in your hands um, at all times. So even just having the footy, a yep. is is a, is a great thing to to for just to touch and feel. B, um, just making sure that you know you can just do some things, whether it's you know rebounding off the wall or getting a partner and just doing you know sort of handball stuff, tram tracks around your body, over your head, over your shoulders, all sorts of stuff, um, and just playing even little games. You know, we used to do a little handball game. You probably mm. remember the academy there. Um, and so if you've got yep. in your team context or, or even at school or whatever it is, you know, just, you know, sort of walking handball games are unbelievable. It's like, it's like basketball, um, but you're sort of, you're just walking. And again, some people can get a bit competitive and start the fast walk or the run. Yep. Try and keep it a low key walk and then just flick the ball around. It's like playing sort of mini basketball AFL. Yeah. Um, and, you, and, you, and you're and you just getting better with your hands and you're improving your decision making. So that's one of my favorite ones, a sort of a walking handball game. Because you yep. get everything, you're getting touch, you're getting you're using your handballs, but you're actually in the game sense too. Mm. I thought that's a decision making, and, and yeah, and some of the best ways to do. You said extra touch. You might walk off that, you know, sort of twenty minute game, and you've had um, and there's heaps of touch because you you might might have three v three or five v five, and and you you're getting a lot of the football. So and yep. you've you're obviously not doing it um, any extra load. Mm. Yeah, really important. I think um, you've probably had similar experiences, Rainsy, but when I had um, all my ankle foot injuries i remember that my touch would always go through the roof because i couldn't run i was in a moon boot half the time so like a lot of the time i was on my knees doing marking drills or something but because i couldn't run there was no limit to how much sort of touch i could do and my, my skills my, my ball handling skills would actually get better when i got injured because i was doing that mm. but then when you get out of the injury you're so eager to go and get back into training that you probably back off the amount that you do like do you reckon there's anything mm. to be said for like you know, doing a whole session on your knees or like, or maybe taking some of that because we always get given creative ways to keep your touch up when you're injured but never when you're healthy. Like, is there a way that we can... Fit. Yeah, probably because you can do everything. So Yeah. Um, yeah, there's probably just those different... It's probably just up to, um, you know, the mindset of going, okay, well, how yep. can I... You know, we used to have the handball club at, at the academy that I mm. created with um with, with you guys and, and that was the thing you could sort of tick off and, and injured or not, not in, injured or not injured, yep. you could 
tick that. Remember, you used to have that little roster and mm. you'd see how many sort of handballs. So it was like something like 200 or 300 handballs. Um, yep. And you get that done before training or after training. So I think there's sort of ways to keep yourself um, accountable um, and, and sort of go, go instead of going through the motions, you know, you rock up to training yep. and go, yeah, I'm, I'm fully fit and we're just having a kick and I'm focused on this and that. Make sure you get your touch done. And again, throughout the season, throughout the games, when you've got a lot of load, there's a lot going on. Um, I just don't think you get enough touch and, and handballs, um, you know, sort of even your marking stuff, anything yep. like even kicking, even a bit of kicking technique stuff, you know, it doesn't take a lot. Yeah. 10 meter sort of um, kick ups to yourself or, or, or kicking to on your opposite foot doesn't yep. take a lot of load. Um, so you can do that stationary and make sure you're just ticking it over. Absolutely. And uh, if you um, if you what I like about this episode, we sort of, we've, we've laid out the framework of a, um, for a normal week, so you might have your main training session on Tuesday, Thursday, and you play a game on the Saturday. That's your that's your framework, right? That's what everyone's doing. Mm-hmm. If you add a Friday priming session, a Monday flush run session, and then you know handball club or something before and after your training sessions, all of a sudden you're you've bulked out the framework to a point where you're doing way more than the people who are just sort of going through the motions and doing what's given to them. Do you reckon? Um, can you add all of that at once, Renzi, or do you reckon you should? Maybe start with the priming session, then add the Monday. What, how would how would people approach that? No, I don't. I, don't, I think you know it straight away. It's something you can put straight into your game. And again, I always say this: if you're if you're relying on your two main sessions a week and doing nothing else, um, hmm. you're leaving yourself open, aren't you? Because um, that next person in line who wants that representative spot or wants that spot on the team that um, that that you're vying for or you're trying to push up a level, um, they're going to take it because they're doing more than yep. you. So you always got to think as an athlete and someone who wants to get better with their football or, or their sport is to be able to consistently doing things more and better, okay? And now yep. sometimes less is more, so it's, it might be a bit sharper and you might like, oh, that's, I remember I've spoken to you a few times, uh, in your career, mate, probably just doing a bit too much and then you, you, you're falling off the other way. So it's, yeah. it's just getting that right balance. But I think those primer sessions, the flush, the extra touch, plus your two mains, and, and again, if you're doing some one-on-one sessions, you know, obviously is, is going to help too. And um, I think... Those type of things will help you moving forward, and, and you you're going to outdo your opposition for sure. And just getting that balance between, you know, not overloading yourself to, to just getting the, the yeah. amount of work um, that you need to get done. Totally, and I think um that's a, it's interesting that you bring up because I definitely used to do too much, but I think so. I had I had such a growth mindset. I was eager to improve, but I was putting all my energy into endurance running and things to try and get myself fitter. I think. Mm. I think it's really important, and this is the benefit of one-on-one coaching, is you can connect with someone who can give you guidance. And like we speak about heaps on the podcast, the footballer, you're bringing the motivation and you're eager to get better, but you don't know what to do. That's where a one-on-one coach might step in or the, the Footy IQ membership, Rainsy, we've got yeah. some online programs on there as well. So if if you if you know you need to add a session in or, or a Friday or a Monday or, or you know, handball club session, whatever it is, like go out there, be proactive, take control of your career and, and connect with someone who can give you guidance around that because it can go two ways. Either you don't have anything to do so you don't do any extras or you put your energy into the wrong thing because you're not quite sure. So you have to get creative. You've got to connect with someone that knows what they're well, doing. So Well, the other thing too, mate, it's that accountability thing. It's always better doing it with someone else. I think we spoke about this yeah. the other day. Like, let's say yeah. you've got a, like me now, um, who's finished retired and and um young family things like things get hard to get up and go for a run obviously it's part of yep. my routine i'm pretty pretty disciplined but if i was actually to book it and i think you spoke about this the other day you do a yep. uh, those the body fit classes and if you you do yours at night or in the afternoon maybe share um to our listeners a bit about your routine yep. and, and it's not necessarily about footy but this can be based mm. into your football and your mindset so just talk us about those sort of set class or set if you set yourself an yep. appointment or, or or a session somewhere yeah so just for context my 
what I coach and, and what I do as a, as a non-athlete anymore are very different. So I would not encourage anyone to go and do these general population cardio bunny no, sort of classes. Exactly. But, but for, for the example ex- of the... Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so what I do is so there's a body fit down the road. Um, and it's just, for those that are unaware, it's just a group class. And the reason why I like it is not because of the type of training is any good. It's purely because there's a time, a place and consistency to it. So I know at the end of the day, on my phone, alarm goes off when it hits five o'clock. And if I don't get myself ready for the um, for the gym and then get to the gym by 5.30, I'm going to miss the class because the class happens every single time at five o'clock. So it's not necessarily the fact that the the, the training's good or it's there's anything special about it. It's just that there's a consistent routine. There's a time and a place. And I think, again, this goes back to one of the other episodes we've done, Rainsy, but when you're trying to implement a new habit into your routine, planning the time and the place of it is so important as opposed to just saying, oh, on Mondays, I'm going to do something. So if you, like, I'm a big fan of Google Calendar or whatever calendar app you use, don't just put the the the, the action, oh, sorry, the um the calendar item in your, in your calendar. Put an exact location on it as well. You can actually do that on most on most calendars. And then you, then it's more, you're more committed to it. You've got a time and a place. And there's been research done on this as well. If you read um, Atomic Habits by, by James Clear, there's, you know, they, they, they've done studies where there's a control group that, they, they plan to, you know, whatever it is, work out every day for three months. And then there's another group that plan to work out for three every day for three months, but they also schedule the time and the place and you're much more likely to keep to it if you've set a time and a place. So it, it seems like a it seems like a, a small detail, but if you can keep yourself consistent and accountable, yeah. and, and I, like you mentioned that just then, Rainsy, you've got a time and a place and a training partner. If you're five minutes late, your training partner's going to let you know about it and then you're keeping each other accountable. Right. So there's those little What's, little things that you can do to, to make it... Um, it's okay. I think too, like when you're running and I know when you go for a run with yourself yeah. or, or if you run with a friend, Absolutely. just generically speaking again, you're probably going to run better or further when you've got someone to run with. Um, same with more. time trials, same with anything. When you when you actually force actually do something and, and push yourself um, and it's you're accountable. So it's a big thing, that accountability, getting back to that. And if you're looking to improve and, and increase these daily habits... These are the type of things you've got to be doing. Um, and again, for, for one last time to, to this episode, if you are trying to get to where you want to get to and it's AFL draft, I know it's everyone's goal, not everyone's going to get there, but let's just set the bar high, let's shoot for the stars. Yep. You've got to be doing a lot more okay, than than, um, than your opposition. You've got to be doing that unique ability to be able to do more. And when I say more, it's not necessarily going for 10K runs, going for yep. you know, sort of... Um, high intensity things it might be just going down and 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 uh doing some extra skills um with your friends and and, and or, or a coach and and getting your uh your touch done your 500 touches whatever yep. it is it's it's off off your legs or off offload um but you've, you've ticked that box and got it done yeah absolutely and and definitely definitely connect with someone who knows what they're talking about don't just go down to a body fit <laughs> disclaimer <laughs> absolutely finish on that one Rainsy, that's all we've got time for today mate thanks again for jumping on um any last words no, I think it was great, mate. We summarized a fair bit. I love, I'm really passionate, I think you are too, around just in-season stuff and getting yourself right mm. for games because that's when it all happens at two hours on game day. But that's yep. what a lot of people don't see, what actually goes into those to to get to that two hours performance. And there's more than just two hours, more than just rocking up to a game. So it's all that stuff behind uh, closed doors and, and what you're doing. So really passionate about that. Great summary of the AFL stuff. is incredible stuff going on at the moment um, in terms of, yeah, the industry, um, and again, we're right in the right in the mix of it now, right getting into that winter, mate. Nice cold months down in Melbourne. <laughs> um, you know, 
in nice and muddy down there while hopefully the sun's coming up uh, in the northern states um, up here and, and getting out of the rain and getting some consistency back with our junior football, with our passionate coaches out there. And I hope everyone's having a really good season. And, um, yeah, um, keep listening. There's going to be some more gold we bring on this show. And, um, yeah, thanks thanks for jumping on board again. Absolutely. Coming into our second year of the podcast, guys. And just I will say one more thing at the end. Um, if you... Like the podcast, whether you're um, a long-time listener or brand new, it really helps us out if you uh, subscribe or follow to the to the show on whichever platform you're using. Um, it, yeah, it just really helps the algorithm and, and gets, our, gets our messages out to more ears. So um, if you're listening to this one, it would be a massive help if you jump over, click follow. That will help us out heaps. Rainsy, thanks for jumping on and we'll see everyone for the next episode. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to the one-on-one football podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay updated on special guests, new episodes, and more, please subscribe to the show on your chosen platform. And finally, if you have any questions for Rainsy or myself, or you want to get a particular guest on the show, please reach out. Our email address is podcast at oneononefootball.com.au. Thanks, guys. We'll see you for the next episode. Now, Harry, before we finish up, we need to say a huge thank you to our friends over at Manscaped who recently sent us both uh, the Manscaped Performance Package. Inside the pack, we've got the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, and a bunch more cool products. Mate, what are your initial thoughts? Well, Ramsey, I'm not sure about you, but before I received the performance package from Manscaped, I had a drawer in the bathroom containing a million different shavers and trimmers from over the years, all tangled together with charging cords and old razors. It was an absolute mess. And as you know, Ramsey, I like things to be in order, everything nice and organized. So I'm pleased to say that I've finally thrown out all of that in that drawer and replaced it with the very sleek Manscaped products, as you can see here. Have a look at it. Nice and sleek, ready to go. Uh, for those who can't see us, we're both holding up the lawnmower 4.0 right now, and it's safe to say that it's a very classy-looking tool. But it's not just the looks that we uh, that we look for the lawnmower 4.0. It's waterproof, which means you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. And of course, there's a cutting-edge ceramic blade to help reduce grooming accidents, thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. And there's a 400k LED spotlight for more precise shave. That's right, Ramsey. Take control of your grooming. Replace that messy bathroom drawer with the classy performance package from Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code one-on-one. That's O-N-E-O-N-O-N-E. 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Give it a crack.